0: Hello everybody. This is uh here we are again with RPG R&D, but it's a special special episode. Um because when Jess and I, hi Jess, co-host Hello, Jess. Hello, Craig. <laughs> when Jess and I got talking about um doing this podcast about RPG R&D and talking about jamming and design and all this stuff, we came to realize that we are both gigantic horror fans in general horror movies in particular. Um, so we thought, well, we'll just like every so often do an episode that's like an, an extra thing um, where yeah. we'll talk about horror movies, um, or TV shows, or books, or whatever. Um, so here we are. This is like the R- RPG R and D horror show. And I debated for a long time of making that all one word, which is, um, which which would, would be an Anthony Burgess reference for um, my teacher co host, if you know Clockwork Orange horror show. Mm-hmm. Is um, one of the slang terms that Alex and his droogs use. and It means good. If something is real horror show, it's real good. Um, but I didn't want people to get confused and think that this was a Kubrick. <laughs> right.
1: Well, what do you mean? <laughs>
0: well, that's to say there there are there's K- Kubrick did two two I guess two horror movies. Would you say The Shining and uh, I would call? Um, wait a minute. Am I thinking Kubrick? Did Kubrick do Clockwork Orange? Who am I? Uh, did he? Let's see. I'll, I'll get up real quick. I can't believe Cause he did so few. He did cause he always, it always took him like five years to make a movie. And now my head is telling me he did the Clockwork Orange is his
1: filmography.
0: What a great way to start off with your, uh, oh, vast, yeah. it's your vast okay. knowledge, your vast knowledge no, of horror you know, movies. He
1: did Dr. Strangelove, Lolita. These are collaborations. Space Odyssey. He did Clockwork Orange. Okay. Yeah. I, I was
0: thinking, like, my brain was farting and thinking, maybe that was somebody else. Who was it? Who could have been doing that one? Um, but, you know, uh, uh, Clockwork Orange is it, kind of a horror movie. Um, it's a dystopian, yeah. you know, terrible society. Alex and his droogs are monsters. Um, they are murdering, raping <laughs> violent thugs. Mm-hmm. Um
1: that's horrible. Yeah, and it and it it's...
0: ends and it ends horribly with things not going well. Oh, by the way, everybody, there's going to be spoilers galore here, so um, we may mm-hmm. talk about things in horror movies that have. Uh, if you haven't seen them, sorry. Um, just if we yeah. st- if we start talking about a horror movie and you're like, I haven't watched that one yet, maybe skip ahead.
1: It's okay. I think that it's okay to be spoiled a little bit on horror movies because like a lot of the if it's a really well done horror movie as long as it doesn't have like a big twist or anything if it's really well done it doesn't matter if you know the ending because it's all about how the director increases the tension and and builds it up and it's all about like getting to those points of, of real scare um i i you know i've had a lot of horror movies spoiled for me and still really really enjoyed watching them
0: oh sure i mean with with a horror movie, it's kind of like, you know how it's probably going to end. It's probably going to end with a lot of characters dying and things going yeah. really terribly. Um, so it's just yeah. a que- it's a question of just the, what's what's the journey? How do we get there? What what are the surprises along the way?
1: Exactly. And horror movies reward you for knowing the tropes of the genre. Oh sure. And I think that that's one of the really fun things about being a horror movie nerd in general. Like you can understand so many fun things that they do. There are even whole TV shows and movies that are just about those horror tropes. Like scream was all horror tropy, And, um, what's the, um, American horror story is all about horror movie tropes every season.
0: Oh, absolutely. So, yeah.
1: And they reward you for knowing these things because yep. it makes it more interesting.
0: And, and they, you know, they can do it tongue-in-cheek like Scream did, where it's like, oh, hey, you know, we've got a character who is very self-aware, Randy, who knows his way around horror movies, and he starts naming all the rules, uh, uh-huh. and they make a joke out of it, because those characters live in a world where horror movies exist,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, as opposed to people in zombie movies who never live in a world where zombie movies exist. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, unless, unless it's Return of the Living Dead, and we can talk about that sometime. Um, but uh, or or like with American Horror Story, it's usually not played for comedy. It's it's played for Easter egg kind of value. It's like, uh-huh. you know, the, the 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 big horror fans will will enjoy the little nod to like, oh, that was a moment that was like right out of you know, kind of um, you know, an homage to this particular movie or to this slasher or. yeah
1: well um American Horror Story the one of the most recent seasons I think it was 1980 I want to say 1984 but I might just be like brain melted from watching Wonder Woman last night
0: Uh, (laughs) it was 80 (laughs) something yeah wasn't it
1: yeah and that was uh it's just a camp slasher film like a sleepaway camp slasher series and it it hits all of the touchstones like the the final girl and the the villain that's not actually the real villain because the real villains behind the scenes like they do all of that and uh, like knowing knowing those things it it doesn't ruin the suspense at all because in fact sometimes makes it more suspenseful s- suspenseful because horror movies rely on dramatic irony which is when the viewer knows something that the characters in the movie do not
0: Right, it was 1984. Real quick, looking that up. Okay. Good. Um, <laughs> what, what what makes that year so special to people that they keep using 1984? It's like okay, second. You know, I, we're we're well into the 80s. Ronald Reagan's been president for most of his term. Um, there was a
1: George Orwell novel, so the the, yeah, the Orwell novel.
0: There. T- so there's like that year is tied into that. That is that the is Night Stalker. Something-
1: apparently, was like a big thing um, for the American Horror Story season that I was just talking about. Yep.
0: Um, okay. And that was that was at that time. Um, yeah, wow. I just never. I just, like just in the last like year or two, there's been like a couple of big names, big name movies, yeah. series that have been 1984. And of course, there's the Orwell. Um, yeah, what is it? What's fascinating about that particular year? I guess I don't know. That we could delve into that sometime. But yeah. the, <laughs> that is the, a uh, really
1: good point. Like, why Why 84? Why wasn't it wasn't?
0: 87? Like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh
1: man but yeah back to kubrick though um because you mentioned that he had done some horror movies like obviously the shining is a horror movie um and i would i would agree with you that Cl- a clockwork orange is also a horror movie but i think 2001 a space odyssey is also a horror movie parts <laughs> of it sure um it's it's he he's just very good at it i just looked at his wikipedia page too and learned that um he turned down directing the exorcist movies so, really? apparently yeah. Oh man. Those would have been some interesting movies.
0: I'm trying to imagine like you know the kid in the bed with the two priests and <sighs> what those would be shot like. <laughs> like what would the what would the visuals be? The Kubrickian visuals. We were joking before we started talking here about the, the one point perspective um mm-hmm. and uh this you know like st- one point perspectives static shots that linger um you know just some of those Kubrick tropes and we're gonna if we're gonna get we're gonna talk we're, we're talking very much about tropes here and we can get even deeper and talk about like specific directors or, or or specific franchises tropes as well um like what are the tropes that you dig on the most what are the ones that like whether they're good or bad
1: um, okay, so my favorite, I think, is when they do a scene cut that's also a jump scare at the same time. Like, <laughs> oh, someone like hit something with a hammer, and that's the new transition. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't sure. know what to call those. Um, but I, well, it's I a love ju- them. it's a it's
0: a yeah, it's a jump scare, jump cut kinda.
1: Yeah. It's they're they always get me. And it's just kind of like a, oh, I'm awake now. Let's <laughs> let's keep watching. I love when my suspense is built to a point that is, it's rewarded in terms of the suspense is broken because you get the scare, but also nothing meaningful happens. Like, the cat jumps out of the locker. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like that. I, I love that in horror movies. um, And that is so, it's such a cliche. Um,
0: oh, it's got a lot of haters. There's a lot of people that will hate the, the the trope of the cat jumping out of the, you know, or the it turns out it was just the wind. Or, like, you know, something that wasn't an actual threat well but you know they serve their purpose right Mm -hmm. like having those inconsequential like this wasn't really going to kill you scared like allows the characters to think they're safe
1: (laughs) yeah kind of uh, an adjacent one to that is where like the the tension is building like you're getting ready to open the door and you open it it's just oh it's just grandma um (laughs) (laughs) i like that too and i think the movie it follows did a really good job with one certain scene um, where they open the door and it's just like the main character's sister or a friend or something. And then the, like the monster comes down from behind the hallway that worked really well. Cause I thought that they were just going to do that. Oh, it's just so-and-so trope, but then they gave you the scare. And I thought that that, cause they reduced my tension immediately. And then like, inc- like right away built it back up. I, I love it. fallas Have you seen that?
0: I have. Um, oh, I've watched, man. I've watched it a couple times. Um, that's, yeah. that's 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 got
1: shots Ooh.
0: yeah well that that movie's got like one it, it it relies heavily on one of my favorite tropes which is like the the slow plotting killer um mm-hmm. which you know has probably been you know was perhaps introduced with michael myers um mm-hmm. with halloween with him just off in the distance all those you know early shots where it's just like he's over there you know like and, and then he's like later on Lori's going on about doing stuff and he's over there and like just from she sees him for a moment and then she looks away and she looks back and he's gone that's you know that's a trope unto itself but it's like this this slow like it's like he's always there and he's always getting a little closer um and then you know they take that to outrageous extremes with like any stalker slasher type that's just you know is walking after the victim who, that is running <laughs> and falling yeah. um, and the, and the, and the killer just keeps coming. Whereas in um, it follows it's, it's so purposeful. It's mm-hmm. so specific. And like you said, a lot of static shots of just, or very, if not static, at least long lingering shots yeah, of, really long. of the thing of, of the thing that's that, you know, the follower or whatever it's called, we never really get a name for the thing mm-hmm. um, just slowly making its way. Um, and you know uh, combine that with the idea that you don't know if the person that you're walk watching walk slowly toward you is the monster or not because it can appear as just a person. So there are times when you see somebody just walking slowly in the background and you're like, uh, is that the thing or is that just like somebody that happens to be out for a slow, leisurely yeah. stroll in the middle of all this uh, horror oh, that man. these characters are going through?
1: That was one of the most horrifying films I've ever seen. There was just something about that movie in particular that really got me. Um, it's not its not like I'm constantly worried that there's going to be a ghost chasing me. Like sometimes you watch a scary movie and you're afraid of the dark for a little bit. It wasn't like that, but it was like this uh, dread. And I, I, I love that. Please, I was waiting uh, for you to
0: say that word. That—that That is the word. That is, It is dread. Um, and not all horror movies do that. A lot of horror movies... Um, you know, they, they traffic in the scare, you know, the immediate scare, like just Mm -hmm. the, the punctuation marks of scares at different points. Some, um, work like dread versus tension. Like there's some, Mm -hmm. some horror movies that it's tension and you're like really kind of, you know, your, your elbow, you know, your, your arm, your shoulders are kind of pinched up and you're at the edge of your seat and you're kind of holding your breath a little bit. That's tension. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was never, I was, I was not often tense during it follows, but I was always kind of like, oh, like, and just knowing like dread, like this thing is like, it's right there. It's right there. It's slowly coming toward them. And these people have it turned around. Um, and it wasn't quite the same kind of tension because it is so slow. Like, you know that that thing's not going to suddenly run at them.
1: Yeah. And I, it gives you the same feeling that you can imagine the characters have. At, at the same time, where as opposed to the Halloween movies, which is one of my favorite franchises, um, like the the feelings that the characters have are much more like we got to do this now. We got to we got to go. We got to fight. Um, whereas in It Follows, you really just get the sense that they are constantly dreading. I, I don't know how to kind of explain that because it's, it's very similar, but at the same time, very, I don't know, very different. Well, it
0: takes until the end of the movie before they have a plan. Mm-hmm. Which is makes it different from a lot of slasher movies or stalker movies, where there's usually like by the once the the final girl or the you know bulk of the characters that become aware that there's something going on, um, they start formulating plans, they start trying to actively do things, they try to make mm-hmm. specific escapes, um, or they they try to you know take the fight to the monster um whereas
1: call the cops somewhere.
0: whereas with it follows it took until like the last 20 minutes before the characters did anything except just keep moving mm-hmm. they and, and talked about things a lot and and built character so you actually came to care for them that's one of the things that's one of the places where slasher movies can fall down is that because the characters are constantly fighting for their lives they're not actually like conversing and we're not getting to know them terribly well mm-hmm. um at least a lot of them so you don't you know you're just like well okay it's just another stupid teenager that's going to get slaughtered <laughs> yeah. whereas in with it follows i i cared about every single one of the characters that we meet mm-hmm. because we got a chance to know each of them even if they weren't all quote unquote the final girl
1: yeah and like yeah it just did a a really good job just overall i think about that movie all the time
0: um, <laughs> oh man <laughs> i do
1: because there's so much going on, like with the Detroit, the dilapidated buildings that you go past. Um, and I live in Michigan. So you know, I've seen Detroit in person, both the city itself and like the kind of the, the rundown buildings that are around. Um, and there's just, I don't know, because it was set in Michigan, maybe that got me because it has stuff about like this very Michigan specific economic downturn. Uh,
0: I it felt more real to you because it's something it you were familiar with. Yeah,
1: it's, it's, hard,
0: was... it's hard to to get on board with, uh, um, you know, to, to have it affect you that way personally when, you know, like, I've never personally experienced a repet- repetitious um, effort by some <laughs> slasher in my dreams trying to kill me and having my, my <laughs> friends actually die in their sleep. And so, I, like, I don't see Freddy as that kind of a threat, whereas huh. even though I recognize small-town America you know, and Elm street is small town America, but you know, like you saw like a town that, you know, a, a neighborhood that looked like what you're familiar with. Mm-hmm. So it makes and it the, more real. The,
1: the main character is a woman um, as well. And, you know, I, you know, I was in situations like hers before, you know, because the whole thing starts off she went on a date and she had sex with a guy and, that was just something that she was going to do and then this all these consequences and I, I just really like thinking like what exactly was the writer and what were the directors, um, you know, getting at? like what was the I think that the movie was actually trying to say something rather than. You know, being a horror movie I think all horror movies, try to say something they have a little bit of commentary I don't think it's true that.
0: I mean I'm sure that there's an exception th- out there. I think I think a, well sh- sure. I think a lot of them do. I think a lot of them can couch social commentary even if it's just kind of lightly, like a light dusting of social um, remarks um, you know I th- it follows is like there's you could you could label it a movie about a number of things. I think it's a mm-hmm. movie about STDs. Um, Mm -hmm. it's about, you know, the, like, you know, catching something from sex and, you know, making that quote unquote societal mistake Mm -hmm. and paying for it. Um, and you know, there's, there's, uh, there's, um, uh, certainly, well, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for, but there's, 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 uh, you know, layers of it have that have to do with, um with women in control and taking control of their own bodies and sexuality mm-hmm. and, um, and like what, how she decides to handle the situation that she's in um, after being, you know, put into it
1: mm-hmm.
0: by by a guy. Um, yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot to that sort of thing. I mean, I... Mm-hmm. Um, like it, it does Friday the Thirteenth say much sociologically or <laughs> say much cult- culturally? I, I don't know. No,
1: not as much. No.
0: <laughs> um, there are there are moments where you know part of uh, Jason takes Manhattan takes some jabs at at like eighties culture. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, you know, like what eighties culture was like and that was in 1988 by the way not 1984 um (laughs) but you know like that 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 particular series isn't steeped too much in uh other social commentary
1: yeah there have been a lot of like video essays out there like on friday the 13th in, in particular about its commentary on um parents listening and and queer culture and stuff like that um but you know it's okay to just kind of have a a mindless horror movie too <laughs> it's that's totally fine if that is your jam yeah you you do you
0: well a lot of horror movies if 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 Friday the 13th is about if you know slasher movies are about like parents not listening to kids then mm-hmm. you know a lot of horror movies are about parents not listening to kids yeah. um yeah. And, and that's not to say that the the filmmakers weren't, weren't trying to instill some of that in there some of them probably were they were mm-hmm. making very specific choices about how the, the adults relate to the younger characters. Um, but I think most of the time it's just, well, we have to have the parents not believe them. Otherwise, the kids aren't in danger.
1: So we got onto this little tangent by talking about my favorite horror movie trope. What's your favorite horror movie trope?
0: My favorite trope overall? Uh, um, that's Or just one you like. <laughs> um... Or hate. There's uh I, I I simultaneously love and hate the escalating of the like the monsters or the slasher in sequels like as they have as the sequel always has to kind of outdo <laughs> the last one it has to become a little a little more wacky the monster has to become a little more ridiculous and over the top and more lethal and more monster like um I like there there's it's it's like a there's a peak and then a valley, right? There's like, Oh, it's great that Freddie's getting more and more crazy and wacky and he's funny. <laughs> and then there comes a point where it's like, okay, it's way too much. And it's kind of tailing <laughs> off because it's like, now it's just a joke, uh joke machine. Um,
1: and now he's in space. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, I really like Jason X. I think it's really funny. I think it does a great job of poking fun at the whole series. Mm-hmm. Um, in particular, uh, the, the hollow, the hollow you know, like the hollow um, portion. Have you seen the movie?
1: I have. Um, I saw it back oh, a while ago. It's been a long time since I've seen it.
0: There's literally Jason gets trapped inside of a hollow deck, um, like a recreational holographic room, um, mm-hmm. and he is put into like a like he's put into one of his earlier movies basically and he meets like he's coming he comes walking through and there's two like like slinky bikini wearing coeds who are like let's drink alcohol and have sex and that's like really really in your face and jokey <laughs> and then he proceeds to like you know murder them both um and it's like it's clearly they're they're make, like they are absolutely making fun of themselves
1: yeah that that's that's one of the fun things about those long running franchises because I mean, it happens in in the um, uh, the Freddy Krueger series, Nightmare on Elm Street. I was trying to think. I was like, what is it happens in the Friday the Thirteenth series? Um, I don't think that it happens very much in the Halloween series because no, that not really. that series just it kind of takes itself pretty seriously, but it also doesn't run into the trap of making Michael Myers, you know, he doesn't escalate as much as these other more campy ones
0: do yeah and i think one of the things that makes the latter installments of the original series of halloween forgettable is that he doesn't mm-hmm. like he's just michael myers every time mm-hmm. um whereas like it, whether you love it or hate it freddie is funny in those last few
1: <laughs> yeah
0: um <laughs> And they they, so they, they they just so keep they just keep making him stupider and funnier and slapstickier and uh, more tongue in cheek. Um, and Jason goes from you know from being just like this uh, this like kind of hulking killer to being like super duper tough to actually coming back from the dead and becoming like a zombie. And he's supernatural. And by the you know by the time you get to the tail end of it, he's like completely unkillable. Um and he's full on monster like they, there's there'd always be the reveal of when the mask comes off and it's all maggots and skull face and uh-huh. you know like like oh, he's getting grosser yeah, <laughs> yeah remember, remember the second movie when it was just like a big dude with a bag on his head <laughs> was
1: oh yeah 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 oh, I was like in in Friday the Thirteenth no
0: <laughs> Friday the Thirteenth he was just a big guy with a bag on his head in the second movie
1: oh, oh no I I maybe I missed that one
0: <laughs> well the first movie we all know. Mm-hmm. was not well
1: it wasn't even
0: a wasn't jason
1: wasn't jason yeah it was,
0: it was his mother and then the second movie he, it's him and he's, he's just living in the woods with him he's, he wears a, a burlap sack oh. on his head with a hole cut in it
1: i don't think i saw that and
0: he's got that at the beginning of the third one and then in the third one is when he gets the hockey mask
1: okay Which okay. He's,
0: which he steals from the the class clown character who is there to like he 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 does the hockey mask thing and tries to scare his his friends um and then um jason ends up getting the hockey mask from him when when he gets murdered
1: (laughs) i have scared a friend with a hockey mask before it was a lot of fun (laughs) it was for his birthday uh (laughs) his birthday is on december 30 no it's january 1st or december 31st he's a new year's baby and it was in high school, and uh, I don't know how we got a hockey mask. We had one, and uh, we were supposed to go over to his house, and uh, I just like stood there in the window with the mask on. That was fun. <laughs>
0: fun I've never done the hockey mask thing. I, I threatened to do it at my friend's wedding reception because I have, <laughs> I, have a, I have a pair of friends who got married on a Friday the 13th. Oh, fun. Um, And I threatened when I was talking to him about the reception. I was like, would you mind if I, like, just, I'm not going to, like, run around and, like, accost anybody. But I'm just going to put on a jumpsuit and a hockey mask. And I'm going to have a plastic machete. And I'm just going to walk through the reception. How do you feel about that? And the guy was like, yeah, 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 do that. (laughs) (laughs) And and the the, the wife, you know, the the bride-to-be was like,
1: "Ah."
0: (laughs) "No." So it didn't happen. But, uh, yeah. There was there was brief consideration.
1: I've been camping and LARPing on Friday the thirteenth before. Like next to like in cabins by the water kinda stuff. Those are my favorite times. I'm like, yes, (laughs) let's let's get this is the beginning of a horror movie. Let's do it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I had I had a coworker once tell me the beginning of a horror movie like this. This a thing that he actually I'm gonna take a quick sidetrack. He had mm-hmm. gone to he was in college. I was in I was out of school and I was working and he was an intern. Um and he had uh just gone down to new orleans for spring break with his friends and he told the story he said like we went down and we did the thing and did the thing and we did like a few days on bourbon street and everything and got drunk a whole bunch and um and then we started running out of things to do other than like you know during the day you wanted to find something to do before the nightlife kind of kicked in and so they find these flyers that are just people that's just directions to some place that will take well there's like some guy that lives out on the bayou that'll take you out on a fan boat and and tool you around and you look at all the snakes and the and the alligators and everything else, and he he was telling me the story about how like they just picked a random flyer and they got in their rental car and they just drove out there and it was a map on the flyer. This is this is pre GPS, pre smartphones, and I, and and then they just like we just followed the map and I was like and where did the map take you? And he said it like literally took us onto this dirt road that ended in a dead end at like a shack on a platform on the water. And I looked at him and I said, you are lucky to be alive. That is the opening. That's the first act of a horror movie. Like if things had gone poorly, like he took you out on the water and then didn't bring (laughs) you back in. That's it. You're getting (laughs) hunted in the bayou.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is definitely mm, That's terrifying. That is so scary. There are so many things that we do like now that are the beginnings of horror movies. Like we get into strangers' cars all the time for Uber. Well, we used to when that oh, was yeah. when that was a safe thing to do. <laughs> yeah.
0: There was a there was just a uh, an Uber. Uh, it wasn't Uber, but it was like a made up. What was it called? What was it called? I just watched it. I, the name's not sticking with me. The name of the movie was the same, like the name of the app, and it was about a like a rideshare driver guy that was taking people out. Um, and he was killing people. <laughs> like that, that was that was what the horror movie was about. Like he was the, oh, that, the killer that was the driver
1: in um, Kalamazoo. You... Um, well the 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 driver didn't kill any of his passengers, but he did kill some other people. Uh, so that, I mean, I think that was partially based on a true story. Um, Is that was it like lit? What was it? Ride? Rideshare.
0: R-Y-D-E, Ride. Was that what it ride.
1: was? Nah. That makes sense. It was kind of like lift with
0: a Y. Yeah. From 2017. There was is a... it really that old? I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm, I want to see the actor. Like... Might have been it. Like I said, it, it, it looks like there's actually been a few movies that have been done about this that sort makes of sense. thing. Um which is not surprising you know like when when uh you know on when, when like streaming video became a thing suddenly there was a glut of horror movies that were about killers killing people on the stream and people were watching and doing likes and thinking it was yeah. all all staged and all that sort of thing so like anytime a new technology kind of starts to become a thing or a new uh, there's a cultural shift um in something like that yeah yeah there was, there was people that do movie unfriended
1: that kind of was like that where they're on a skype call or something and then there was a movie this that came out this year in 2020 um so last year uh <laughs> called the host or host or something like that which is about a zoom call that was done during the pandemic um and it was filmed like over zoom or something like that <laughs> um so i want to see that that's on my there are a couple movies from this year that are on my list to see uh
0: Things that, that are done that, that were done during the pandemic that that are all like Zoom, kind of stuff. Like I've seen some really interesting, um, like you know the found footage movies, oh, I um, love this. where there's some of them get it's like oh seriously because it that the found footage movie falls down when you wonder why the hell doesn't the person just drop the camera and run. Mm-hmm. Um, but every so often you get one that um, there becomes a reasonable. Reason for why mm-hmm. that person is not doing that, or like they don't realize that it 's going to go horrific immediately, um, and you don't maybe even really truly know until the very tail end so it 's just somebody that's talking that 's got a camera or they 're talking um, on like a Skype call type thing mm-hmm. or you know, Zoom or whatever, like some sort of teleconferencing thing um, that, that do some really interesting things. Um, But you got to look around because there's a lot of trash. (laughs) There's a lot of really just, oh, it's like, well, it's a cheap way to do a horror movie and it's an easy way to, like, do it. What the heck is that?
1: (laughs) It's probably a car going by. Yeah, I heard it too. It was probably just a car. I was worried that it was from my end. But, Um, yeah, The Blue Witch Project wasn't a great movie, but they did that okay because, like, the whole premise was that they were filming a documentary. Mm -hmm. And I liked that movie because it made you wonder, like, what is really going on? Is this woman just being lured out there? Like, what's happening? Um, and then Paranormal Activity, even the, those, like, really jumped the shark after the first couple. Um, they also did a good job with the, like, the surveillance cameras because everyone had those in their house, sure. you know? I I, I thought See, that that's, was that's super where it,
0: scary. Right, where it's reasonable that there would be this footage -hmm. Where it's like, you know, it's not somebody walking around with the camera the whole time. Now, Blair Witch was interesting for me. I'm a little older than you. I saw Blair Witch in the theater um, on opening night, I think. Opening weekend for sure. It might have been opening night. Um, And was just computer savvy enough at the time that I had seen the online marketing for it because there was no marketing outside of the internet Mm -hmm. for that movie. That movie was like marketed, that was like arguably the first viral marketing um uh, On the kind of the scale that we think of it to be um and because it was all it was it was set up as a true story it was like it was set up like like literally these these kids went into this uh this woods in Maryland and never came back, and we found the footage, and nobody had ever done that before and so it was like they built it up online um and that movie creeped me the hell out the first night like the when I first saw it like go to see it in the theater and it's like i 'd never seen it before and um just you know the the close w- w- the stuff that we think is tropey and and silly now is like the close up where she's like blowing yeah. snot bubbles because she's so <laughs> afraid and but like at in in the moment when that was brand new that was terrifying
1: yeah that was like
0: was, that was person that was a person doing a confessional of like maybe minutes before she's gonna die like you don't yeah. know
1: it, people always like again now looking back because i've seen i saw blair witch for the first time a couple christmases ago my sister and i usually watch one scary movie and one really like stupid christmas movie on christmas um so we watched blair witch project um and then we watched the sequel for our stupid movie <laughs> and uh like looking back like oh man this is such a trope this is such a trope but they kind of invented it like everything yeah. was based off of what they did um, I'm sure that there were other films that had done it before, but, you know, that that's one of the other, that's the other side, the other edge of the sword, when it comes to horror movies rewarding you for your knowledge of tropes is that you also have people saying like, Oh, what a trope. Like, Oh, that's so overdone. And every horror movie wants to do something new and unique now, which they don't need to do.
0: I, I love telling people when, like when somebody says like, I watch Blair Witch Project, you know, somebody let's, let's, let's say that they're younger. Um, and weren't, uh, old enough or even perhaps alive when Blair Witch came out <laughs> and they they saw the Blair Witch Project let's say oh I don't know like two Christmases ago um and they <laughs> and they say just as an example just you know, right, right. just off the top of my head um like and they say like oh and it, you know the shaky cam and it's so overdone and everything it's such a trope that nobody like like everybody hates it now and it's like yeah it's a trope because that movie did it like that's where it started. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Arguably there were, there may have been some other low budget straight to video things that nobody ever saw that did something like that too. But that was the one that kind of caught the the public eye.
1: Like even with the virtual marketing or the internet marketing for those kinds of found footage movies, cause that happens. I feel like for a lot of those, the found footage types, cause it, they did it for paranormal activity. They had a really big viral marketing campaign And for Cloverfield, the first Cloverfield movie, they had a whole ARG and everything. Um, What I liked about how Cloverfield did it was that they gave you some of, because they don't give you any real background information in the movie itself. You kind of just start almost in media res, like you start at the party and then monsters. That's, that's what you get. Yeah. But if you like follow the viral marketing campaign, you got all the stuff about, um, You know, the slusho and the the oil drilling, the deep sea drilling and all of that. And I liked that they made the viral marketing part of the movie experience. And they did it so well that there's this huge cult following of the Cloverfield series. Like every time J.J. Abrams is about to do a project, people online are like, oh, is this another Cloverfield movie? (laughs) And we were only teased about it just a little bit with Cloverfield Lane, 10 Cloverfield Lane, which was terrific i loved it um agreed and uh and then they had the one that was kind of bad that was like the cloverfield paradox that's what it was which i still enjoyed because i really like
0: cloverfield <laughs>
1: um but uh i want more of that but i want more of that for movies that aren't just found footage stuff too
0: and i think uh, my, my opinion like cloverfield the original Um, actually gave, because of the the way it was set up, like you said, it was just like, they're at the party, there's a guy, you know, T.J. Miller, whose face we don't see till the end, um, is walking around holding the camera, and he's talking a bunch, so we know this character, Um, and then when things really start to go haywire, he's documenting it as, like, this is something weird and unprecedented, and people are going to want Mm -hmm. to be able to see this, So like, he turns himself into, like, a journalist, you know, a, a, a camera journalist, and, um, so that that like kind of sells it, like why he keeps the camera. And ultimately, um, you know, hey, everybody, go watch the movie if you haven't already. Um, yeah. And then come back and listen to what I'm about to say. Ultimately, he pays for it <laughs> because it's him having the camera that gives us the great moment of him getting pulled up into the air by the creature. But then he ultimately, you know. If he, if, he, if he hadn't been trying to film stuff he would have maybe run away and, and yeah. survived.
1: <laughs> he maybe even might not have even been in he might
0: the have, city anymore. <laughs> he might he might have gotten underneath that bridge. Um, Gosh,
1: I I saw that movie in the theater with my sister, and I was just like, "Yes, this is so cool! This is the coolest movie ever!" <laughs> and then I get mad, I get a little defensive when people are like, "Oh, the shaky cam—it was so hard to watch." I was like, "Shut up! Was it <laughs> wasn't.
0: Well, it was a and, great movie." <laughs> hey, that's, if that's not your—if that's not your thing, that's fine. Um, there's, <laughs> <laughs> there's plenty of great Kubrick movies that are still cameras with one point perspectives. <laughs> there's all sorts. Of, there's yeah. There's 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 a, there's something for every taste. Um, I remember when when Cloverfield came out. Um, because it, like nobody knew anything about it. It was like suddenly, like a, a week or two before it hit the theaters, there was suddenly like stuff on the internet about it and just a little bit of television marketing um, because it was done so secretively um, that yeah. and, and and all the and all they showed you was like, oh, the, the people are at the party and then there's like sirens and and there's loud noises and then the Statue of Liberty's head comes rolling down the street and you're like, well, what is this? I was like, I was I was yeah. in. I was on board. I was like, yeah. I don't care. If this isn't a monster movie, I want to know what just happened. Because uh, that was, the marketing was, was delightful. It was like unlike anything I had seen before.
1: Yeah, it was like the kind of Godzilla movie that I wanted. I know a lot of people like at the beginning, like I, I vaguely remember. I think I was in high school when it came out. Um, and uh, I remember people wondering, my dad in particular, like, is this a Godzilla movie? Is this like some new Godzilla movie? Cause they didn't show the monster mm-hmm. in the trailers or anything. Um, and that was part of the reason why I was really excited to watch. Cause I liked Godzilla. I love you get a giant monster in a movie and I'm, I'm down for it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I like the Godzilla movies. I like Pacific Rim. I love like, give me a big monster and <laughs> have it destroy a city. I'm in let's do it. Especially <laughs> if the monster comes from the water which Cloverfield kind of did.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of well, came from the water. It absolutely Space, did.
1: Space, water. <laughs> well, it, it
0: started, it came out of the water, supposedly. Yeah. Um, and uh, And it, you know, it had, it had, like, I don't know, it was one of those movies that had, like, a handful of really iconic moments, I think, that horror movie fans um, really get into. There's, like, when it starts up in the Statue of Liberty's head, Mm -hmm. um flies through there's the 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 bit on the bridge when we first see the monster we see a part of it
1: Mm -hmm. um
0: when the when the whole like whatever bridge that is if that's George Washington or Brooklyn or whatever it was is is rocking (laughs) and it's like the the span is twisting um Ah, so good uh there's the bit you know uh uh uh, with um with the belly (laughs) the belly buster Ah. um yeah that was uh like remarkable and completely unexpected because you're like oh this is a gigantic monster movie um and, then, they and inter- then and then they introduce all the little tick things and then it's like and then it takes that weird twist and we find out that those things can make some do some terrible terrible things to human beings yeah. um um and particularly to like you know a character we, we like again was one of those movies that we actually spent time with the characters because it wasn't spending we didn't we weren't constantly dealing with the monster. The characters were just walking along, talking, trying to get out of town, you know, trying mm-hmm. to get out. Um, there was more um, urgency to it, but it felt it, it's, it's a lot of the same kind of trope of what it follows was. It's like the characters are just trying to figure out what's going on and keep on the move in the process. Um, yeah. It's just in Cloverfield. It's more urgent because it's like uh, a gigantic monster and mass well, panic.
1: Here you go like, save his ex or something like that
0: yeah he had to go to get to the to the ex um and then eventually ends up in the building where the one building is toppled against the other building and it's all everything goes to dutch angles and (laughs) everything's skewed and um she's impaled on rebar and everything and then there's the whole of course there's the whole bit at the end with the cameraman and when we finally see the monster
1: um i think like i wish more monster movies would do that That was one of the reasons I was disappointed with War of the Worlds is because I felt like, was that Tom Cruise?
0: Mm -hmm. Yep, Tom Tom Cruise, Cruise, Dakota Fanning.
1: Yeah, was dealing more with the aliens than the personal stuff. Like there were times when the personal stuff was like so good. Like when they're all trying to get, a. don't know exactly what's going on. They're like trying to get in somewhere and there's this huge crowd and he starts getting separated from his family. Like that part, I love. That is the horrifying part of dealing with like these giant catastrophe movies. Um, And that's why like Cloverfield, I think is a horror movie, whereas Independence Day is not. Because Independence Day, the characters have a lot more agency. You know, I mean, it's horrifying that the, the world is being blown up by aliens, but they are actively fighting against it. Whereas, like, for most people, the horrifying thing would be, you can't do anything about it. How are you going to survive? How are you going to keep your family and your loved ones safe? That's what's terrifying.
0: Yeah. And,
1: and then, it, and then it, in it, it, 10 Cloverfield Lane, they just kind of took that to, a like, a, a sub-level. I loved it.
0: Um, can I do my little rant on Independence Day? Yes. And the thing that I hate the most about Independence Day? Yes. I hate the trailer. And I'll tell you why. The trailer robbed me. It robbed all of us. The trailer robbed every single viewer of that movie. It stole something from us. It stole the moment of the White House being blown up. Mm. And it put that in the trailer so that you would want to go see the movie. Imagine what you would have done in the theater with a giant group of people if you didn't see that in the trailer 50 times. And then it happens on the big screen surrounded by 300 people. That would have been like that would have been a movie moment that people walked out of there talking about and remembering for the rest of their lives. But the trailer stole it from us. I'm very, very, very angry at that trailer.
1: That's a really, don't get me wrong.
0: It got asses in seats. But once we knew that the white house was going to blow up, it's like, Oh, they're going to blow up some other buildings too. Eh, Whatever. You know, like we fully expected like, okay, they're going to blow up the, uh, what is it? The, the RCA building. Um, I'm like, and then the empire state building, if they hadn't oh just imagine what it was would have been like to see the White House blow up on the screen if you had not known it was coming
1: that would have been so cool that that's one of the things that a lot of horror movies do get wrong too is that they part of the fun is and I know this kind of contradicts what I said at the beginning, but part of the fun is is not knowing like what the monster is or what's really going on um and showing you that in the trailer, I know that makes it hard for some movies. Um, but showing you that in the trailer, you don't want to ruin a jump scare. You don't want to ruin a big surprise. You don't want to do anything like that. You don't want to show the monster's face in the trailer.
0: Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to show an actual character getting killed. Right. Um, Where but horror movie trailers imply it pretty strongly a lot. Like, you see, Mm -hmm. you see situations where, like, okay, that character's probably not gonna make it, like, there's just something is just about to happen, they're probably not gonna make it. And most of the time, that character does get killed, like, most of Mm -hmm. the time, they do pay that off. Uh, the best horror movies will have that, that, uh, that tease in the trailer and then like that'll happen on the screen. And when you're watching the movie and then suddenly something else will happen and it'll twist it around and it'll really surprise you because you, you were expecting from the trailer that that character is going to bite it. Um,
1: see, that was why Midsummer really kind of hooked me and I wanted to see Midsummer ever since I saw the trailer. Cause it was like, you know, the colors are so pretty and bright and there's just something super spooky about the, the way they did it. And they included moments that, they gave it to you so out of context that you could never guess what was like why is this happening and when I was in the theater or when I was't the theater, when I was watching the movie, I wanted to know, well hey, that scene in the trailer where does that where does that fit in like I wanted to know more about that um, I think Ari Aster I'm really excited to see what else uh, he ends up doing.
0: I haven't seen summer midsummer yet I, oh I, I know I know I, to, I know I have to I know I have to. I will I will someday, I'm sure.
1: I didn't find that movie as scary um for a couple different reasons, but I, I don't want to spoil it for you. So have you seen Hereditary though?
0: Uh, I love Hereditary. Hereditary <laughs> messed me up.
1: It was so good.
0: It when I was watching it.
1: I started watching it um, in my living room and I was like, oh, I'm going to turn off all the lights. I'm going to watch this scary movie. In oh, that oh, first what a moment mis- where what a she, mistake. <laughs> she turns off the light and you see the grandma. I was like, oh, Alex, do you want to watch a movie with me? <laughs> I, had to have most, I, had I don't, to have someone I don't need me. to watch
0: this by myself anymore. I'm okay with not being by myself now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad
1: I kept watching it with someone else. Yeah. Even though I think that was the most, like, it was definitely the most jump scary part of the movie for me and the most, like, visually terrifying part for me actually despite all the rest of the horrifying stuff that happens in it um that was the part i was like this is gonna mess me up if i don't have someone to sit and watch it with me (laughs) or a blanket
0: (laughs) something well that movie has a few different spots in it where like something happens and Mm -hmm. like there's there's a moment Mm -hmm halfway ish through the movie and if you've seen the movie you know what i'm talking about mm-hmm. um halfway or not quite halfway through the movie um where a thing happens and you might like i'm i'm i was watching it by myself in the dark again too cuz yep. i'm a sucker um and i like my whole body tensed up i gasped my draw. my jaw dropped open and i didn't change that position for like 10 minutes i know like the puffs. whole sequence <gasps> waiting And then the drive and then he slowly goes inside and then there's the long wait before she goes outside. And I'm just like, you know, there is there is something to be said for the pause and for letting the camera linger and for letting the moment land. Um, And that movie, like if it had gone much longer, I might have had to turn the movie off. Like and taking yeah. a breather, if that, if that sequence had been more stretched out, because I was just like, I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know how this, you know, like, how are people going to react to this? What's going to happen? Where's it going to go? Like, is he going to say something? He's just going to, oh, he's just going to walk inside and not do anything. He's just going to go to bed. Um, and I'm like, it, it, oh.
1: Gosh. Yeah. They, that was effective. Um, yeah. Still like oh, thinking about it, that scene was brutal. Um, and they, the, uh, Astrid didn't, he wasn't afraid to let the camera linger on those horrifying scenes. Cause there's the, also the, the part at the very end where like, it just lingers so, uh, several times. The camera just lingers on, on terrible things and on like dead people and stuff like that. Um, but at the same time, will pan across things that you want to look more into. Like it makes you want to look and then stays on the things that you don't want to look at. And that, I thought that was just really effective directing. And Midsummer does a lot of the same thing. Um, like, obviously, that's a purposeful directorial thing. Um, yeah. Midsummer also has a couple of moments that are like that, that I'm excited for you to watch. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and that, yeah. se- that, that sequence in Hereditary, too, where it just takes, it takes all that time to do it. And then you're kind of like, okay. And then she screams. And you're like, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. So that's, that's how this ends. And then they show you.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and then they show you.
0: And then you're like, "Well, son of a really?" Yep. <laughs> like Yep. They they uh-huh. they they tack two moments at the end where like you finally get the release of like, "Okay, she screams, she knows." And then then they do show you too. And because it's mm-hmm. been because time has passed that she's been out there, it's even worse. Yeah. Because she's oh, been gosh. there all night.
1: Yeah. Oh. Uh-huh. 's <laughs> oh. <laughs> such a good movie, I'm so excited for his next stuff.
0: How do you now the actress who played the daughter? I wonder how old she was you could I'm sure I could look it up, but I find myself yeah. wondering if she was if she was not yet eighteen I have a feeling she probably was eighteen nineteen twenty um but if she's not like I find myself wondering this all the time in horror movies here's a trope to look at it's like the the kid in the horror movie like. Mm-hmm. Did they watch it? (laughs) Well, does the kid watch it? How much do they know about what's being filmed? The producer, the producers, and the director have to talk to the parents, get permission from the parents. Like, how do you, how does that casting meeting go? If that kid is, if a if a a child character in in a story is going to get brutally killed. Um, and it's going to really be played up and may- be a big, big, ugly moment. How do you have that discussion with, like, as the casting director or the director or a producer, talking to the parent of the kid? Like, you know, I I, I, I don't know. I, I, There's a part of me that wants, to, like, I have this weird fascination with it. I would love to be in that meeting or to hear how that meeting went, um, but I also, I also just don't. I really don't want to know what they – talk to the parents about and how they describe what's going to happen because with 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 kids in movies um when they're swearing and there's sex and blood and guts and whatnot they can a lot of times the way they shoot it they can do it in such a way that the kid the kid never sees anything right the kid never sees um the the, the really gory icky stuff the, the kid doesn't hear the other characters swear they film the kid separately like really, and tell them you're reacting to the person saying this and it doesn't have a swear in it and that's how you, you react to that um, so they can kind of keep that all out of there but there has to be a discussion sometimes with the parents Whew. <laughs> I
1: looked it up she was born in 2002 which would have made her 16 yeah, when so she, came right
0: out. so her parents had to have a talk yeah like wow gosh <laughs> uh, now given how good she was in the role, And um, I I feel like she's, you know, um, that that actress is like she's remarkable in the role. And she's so she's Mm -hmm. more than likely kind of got her head screwed on pretty straight and really knows what she's doing. And she's she's a a professional. (laughs) She's a professional. She's a professional. And she's you know, she's probably had jobs before. Um, Mm -hmm. um, And so like it might be an easier conversation to have. Uh, than if if your child isn't necessarily prepared <laughs> for something quite that heavy
1: yeah that is a really good point and ooh, there the use of children in horror movies and just i understand why because kids can be very creepy and they represent all sorts of things like symbolic of innocence and uh, very clearly that's what they were going for in hereditary um but like you you put a kid in a movie and it automatically makes it like ten times scarier. Like like that's why the poltergeist was I don't like the poltergeist that much. Um but you know, at the same time, it was automatically extra scary because of a little kid.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Mm.
0: I'm trying to think I of, wanna
1: go wanna go are, watch Hereditary again. <laughs> what, are
0: my, what are my favorite what are my favorite kids in horror movies? Um probably the, the best kid in a horror movie. And it's because she's the monster. I think she's really effective as that is Samara in uh, the, the, uh, the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because she's used sparingly. And when she is on screen, she's really weird and terrifying.
1: Yeah. I mean, a lot of the Stephen King novels and movies do interesting jobs with children. Um
0: Stephen King doesn't mind killing kids. No. <laughs> he doesn't he does not.
1: There were several um movies where a lot of kids died. Uh <laughs> several books. And uh I read um Nosferatu, which is by his son. Um and that also like it, it feels so much like a Stephen King novel. Um it was really good. I would recommend it. Um but that also makes use of, of children in a in a terrifying way. That's a good one to read around Christmas time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh
0: <laughs> for your Christmas think, scares next year.
1: Yeah. Um what is it called? Oh, Pet Cemetery is the one I was thinking of in oh, particular. Yeah. So I think that one made pretty good use of of the kids. Um
0: That book is that book is a rough read. Um I imagine even more so for a parent. I'm um, sure. Because I have you ever have you read the book? I haven't. Um it's uh it, Stephen King has said this too because he knew like you like you know it's happening you, you know what's coming like yeah. okay we got family moves into house right next to road lots of cars going along little kid what's going to happen we know what's going to happen yep. and then you spend the next 80 pages with it not happening and just waiting for it to happen so it's 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 a book that builds the dread very nicely the movie's okay the 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 original version of the movie is okay with it it builds it pretty well um because i think the characterization of of, uh the parents and judd next door and the and the daughter and everything are pretty solid um i watched the remake recently where they they, they they did some they made some changes um it just didn't fire on all cylinders for me um but it is one of those yeah like I wonder what's going to happen. you like, <laughs> like <laughs> they, they, just, they just told you, they, they introduced a little kid. It's, it's Chekhov's mm-hmm. road. They, they just put on truck. A Chekhov's semi truck um, has been introduced on this road and somebody, someone or something is going to get hit by it. And probably more than one. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's just dread. Like when you're reading, when you're reading the book, it's just like, you know, it's coming. It's just like, you're just mm-hmm. waiting. Well, okay. When it's, when's it going to happen?
1: Yeah. A pet cemetery is one of the first, horror movies I ever watched my dad um loved horror well loves horror I should say <laughs> he, he still loves horror It's like I'm um, done with it and uh <laughs> like we would watch the Crypt Keeper and the Twilight Zone um and uh I re- the first movie I have a memory of watching is the old 1960s The Blob oh yeah uh and that I remember that tearing terrifying me and not being able to watch it um <laughs> And, and pet cemetery was like one of the first ones he made us watch and i was like wow dad okay <laughs> but you know i i'm glad that he did cuz i mean he he was the one who introduced me to both horror movies and also star wars and that led me down a a dark path uh, so thanks dad for the... <laughs> my sister reads um stephen king novels a lot too like she she's a big fan of him um whereas i've only read a couple um so we had a bunch of Stephen King novels in our house, too, because my dad loved them. So every once in a while, I'd like grab a book and I'd like open up a page and read a little bit. And I'd be like, OK, nope, All right. That's enough for me. Let's, let's <laughs> not keep going. <laughs> I don't know why I always wanted to read the middle of a Stephen King novel, but I've read a lot of middle pages.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, I've, I read I've read quite a bit of Stephen King. I de- devoured it. I discovered it when I was in junior high, discovered King and. I, I read pretty much everything that he ever did up until about mid midway through college um and then I kind of tailed off and i you know got more into movies um because I finally had money <laughs> to be able to go to movies and you know i, I got to the point where you know, like you it was easier for you to own like i was i was i was a grown up so I had my own v c r and I could get you know rent tapes myself <laughs> and wasn't dependent upon you know uh what the family wanted that mm-hmm. sort of thing, so I got more into movies. But uh, yeah, there's a, and there's even a few of those early Stephen King novels that like they're, they're rougher than like things are, there. there's, there's some rough stuff that happens in there that they didn't do quite the same way for the movie. Like they, they, they niced it up for the movie mm-hmm. because movie, yeah. the movie viewing audience would be like, nope, not going to accept that. <laughs> um, but the book, like he, he doesn't pull a punch um, in yeah, a, a few different spots
1: something different too, just a little bit more intimate about reading a horror story. I think compared to watching the movie, cause it forces you to picture everything. Whereas in a horror movie, you can always do this, um, <laughs> but you can't do that when you're reading a book. Um, and I've read some, I've read some pretty good, uh, horror novels, uh, like house of leaves was one that messed me up <laughs> for a second. I liked that one a lot. Um, but yeah, there, there are some really good ones out there. I've, like I said, I've only read a couple Stephen King novels, though.
0: So. Have you read Cujo?
1: I haven't read Cujo. I've seen the movie. <laughs> I, I
0: Okay, I won't say anything.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's the dogs, man. Um, and I know the difference between the novel and the, the book because he writes, he talks about um, some of the differences in his novels in um, his book on writing. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, So that was, I've read some of that. I had to read that for creative writing in high school. Uh, On writing, not Cujo. (laughs) And then I teach a Stephen King essay um, sometimes when I do writing um, to show um, argument structure. He has an essay called Why We Love, Why We Crave Horror Movies. And I think it's a really interesting explanation. I don't think it's the only explanation, but it's interesting to hear from like the horror guy's point of view. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: And I'm in, the uh-huh. midst, I'm in the midst of watching The Stand now. So, like, I'm, I'm all over Stephen King, and I'm designing a game that yeah. is Stephen King horror style, you know, Stephen King How style horror. It? The Stand. Um, yeah. it's, it's different. <laughs> did you watch the uh, original, the miniseries uh-huh. that they did in the 90s? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the miniseries in the 90s um, is very linear, it tells the story from beginning to end, just like in the book. The book starts with like, um, with uh, Campion running and getting out before the the base locks down, and he he gets everybody all sick and blah, blah blah, and it takes off the story. Um, the the miniseries that they're doing now it jumps around in time, so there's some people that have been a little bit bothered by like it's not telling right. the story linearly. Um, there's been we there's we're only three episodes of eight into it right now, so there's still a lot to go. I feel like. They've they've touched on some things that the original miniseries didn't do, which I like that they're getting some of that stuff in there. Um, there's some things that I feel I'm, I I have to wait to see if they're going to pay it off because it's going to be a few more episodes before. Like right right now, I feel like Nick is underserved, um, but we only really started to get much about Nick in the third episode, and Nick mm-hmm. is an important character, um, and so um you know like just it's it, there's have you been watching it at all no
1: i haven't haven't okay. seen any of it i'm i'm probably going to wait until like everything's out
0: sure and then, and then binge through the whole thing binge mm-hmm. they they've made some choices um of uh, of spending some time with some characters that you wouldn't necessarily expect that they're going to spend a lot of time on early um i was i was surprised uh, they've spent a fair amount of time with Nadine early on setting her up um, and they, uh, they've, they, you know, they hit, um, Rita, they, they I don't know if you know the book, <laughs> um, I'm,
1: I'm, I'm thinking, and I'm thinking of a different Rita from a different book
0: <laughs> in, in the book, Larry, Larry Underwood, the, the singer, um, leaves New York with Rita, uh, Rita Blakemore. Hey there, sirens. Um, <laughs> And um, she's she's this this like socialite type who's totally unprepared to live in the world after she's immune okay. she's going to survive the the flu but she's not prepared to to deal with the world after and so and they they she's not in the original miniseries they basically oh they, okay they had they had Larry escape the city with Nadine they just rolled Nadine into kind of gotcha. be, be the stand-in okay. for Re- Rita as well as becoming like what Nadine becomes later um, so they 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 dove into that so you get to see these other characters that haven't come into play. I'm a little, there's stuff I hope that I wish that they would do, but I know they probably won't because it just doesn't pay for the, you know, they've only got the eight episodes. It's a big book. I'd love them. I'd love it. If they had the kid, in the story, I know everybody who reads the book is like, why, why isn't the kid in the story? And this is not a kid, kid. This is a guy that calls himself the kid, capital K, um, and he is a terrible human being. <laughs> um, but he, uh, like, they—they're they, not probably going to do anything with him. Um, huh. And uh, the one, there's one, like my favorite part of the book actually, and it's never—it will never make its way into film. Never, ever, ever. There's a se- there's a segment. It's maybe a third of the way into the book. Um, it's a whole chapter, broken down into subsections, that talks about. And King refers to it um, in 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 the in the narration of the of the sequence of like it was the final cut. Some would say the the unkindest cut of all, which is all these people who survived the super flu. But then, who don't survive what comes after? There's the person that breaks their leg and become you know and can't get any can't get can't get to help and there's no one around them and they die from infection. Ooh. There's the person there's the kid that falls down the well, you know. There's um, somebody who um, uh, gets into a, a, an, an ac- a car accident and and manages to kill themselves. There's somebody who gets themselves trapped somewhere and dies of thirst. Um, just all these things that, like, because these people are all like in like little towns or little out of the way pockets, and they're they're alone, and they're not prepared. They they're not taking the situation seriously enough, and and they and people die from just like there's you know there's no doctors, there's no first responders, there's no nine one one, there's like bad stuff happens, and these characters don't make it, and it's it's so like it's one of my favorite parts of the book because it's so true to life. Like the, the fact that Stephen King takes a whole chapter and just says, okay, now we're going to watch all these people die and we're going to remind you how serious this world is. Um, yeah. Which, which we'll I never, feel which, like... we'll, which we'll never see film. They won't spend time doing it. The, the most they'll maybe do is they'll, they'll maybe have the guy who gets appendicitis and then they can't get the appendix out in time and he dies. When the veterinarian <laughs> tries to take the, to take his appendix out. Um
1: I feel like this is actually one of those chapters that I read from the middle of a book cuz it sounds <laughs> so familiar to me, but I probably read it when I was like 10 or something. Um Oh man, how's how scary to, you know, what a great time to have a new Disney series about the stand. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh
0: Huh. yeah but they were they were on their way into production when all of this happened it's like what are you they gonna do know. You know? oh it's,
1: it's great ARG this is all oh yeah <laughs> it's all uh...
0: well you know the pandemic sucks and everything but at least it's not 99.6 percent commun or 99.6 percent deadly or whatever it is in in the book it's like 99.6 99.4 or something like that
1: yeah um oh man <laughs> Anyway, uh, so uh, I, I on the
0: whole, on, whole <laughs> on the whole, I'm enjoying it, but I'm looking forward to like seeing where they go. There's 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 some characters that are just underserved at this point because of how they're jumping around. Um, so I'm waiting to see how they're going to play that all out.
1: Yeah, that, it, it's interesting that they are doing that. I'm assuming so they can make connections or have some kind of.
0: Well, they they frame it the 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 interest the, the the thing that the stand suffers from um, f- as far as visual storytelling goes, and I think it 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 suffers for it in the original miniseries um if you, if, you write, if you like Stephen King's writing, you'll read a 1200 page book and be fine uh-huh. that like nothing major is going to happen for seven hundred pages. It's just going to be slowly all these characters dying. And we're just going to meet all these people and we're going to get to know them, and they're going to meet each other, and you'll read all those hundreds of pages. But the TV audience is like, let's go." Yeah. What's going on here? And so the way they do it is they start with some of the stuff, like they start in Boulder, Colorado, where the characters are, have gathered five months after the flu started, and we learn some things there, and then they jump back in time to what those characters were like beforehand, and we see kind of where they're going to end up. So they're able to kind of, they, they use it to frame... So we get to see where characters are going to end up at least to some extent we get some kind of cliffhangers of like setups for things rather than having to wait you're like okay let's spend four episodes of everybody just slowly walking westward <laughs> which is what it would be if they just went it in the in the order of the book
1: that makes um, sense yeah
0: and you know in the 90s yeah maybe that flew okay on network television. But um, in the era of heavily serialized television and the expectation that the story is going to move forward and there's going to be something big that happens at the end of every episode, um, audiences expect there's got to be something going on. We can't just spend – we can't watch for an hour and have like, oh, and now these characters leave a gun quit. (laughs) That's (laughs) the
1: prestige television (laughs) problem.
0: All these characters like, uh. if, and if they had gone to all the characters all at the same time like they did in the first one where they just jumped from character to character the whole the first hour would end and nobody would be dead yet like they're, <laughs> like literally like these characters would have sick family members um nobody will be leaving town yet like the the crisis doesn't really get rocking and rolling until you know it takes a month or two of of the flu happening before everybody really gets you know killed and everything becomes really really dire for the characters um like yeah they they, like like, are you really just want to watch like an hour of conversations between characters talking about their pasts um (laughs) maybe (laughs) yeah and 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 maybe some people dig on that but that's not going to fly too well in for a um, tv audience for a tv audience in in 2020 2021 the people
1: who want that will read the book
0: yeah you want absolutely and somebody out there is going to cut the whole thing together in order when it's done and you'll be able to find it on YouTube or something somewhere, or, or download it somewhere where somebody will say, well, we took the 2020 miniseries of The Stand and we, we cut it all up and we put it all in order. So for the people who want to just spend two hours of just people talking about, like, what's been going on in their lives as the flu rages around them, <laughs> you can watch that. Somebody will do that version. People have put, you know, like people have given, I just saw a list the other day of like, you want to watch the entire Star Trek universe in order? Here's what you watch. Here's the order. Here's how you watch everything.
1: I need
0: that. <laughs> so you can sit down and watch the whole thing in order. Yep. You know?
1: Actually, yes, that is something that would be up my alley. <laughs> you want to watch you want to watch
0: Memento in order? Here's how you do it. Here's what you cut up and watch it. Here's Here's how to ruin the movie. Because watching Memento in order would ruin the movie.
1: It's true,
0: but <laughs> But anyway, that's another one of my rants. <laughs> People want to watch Memento in order. Well, it's confusing. Oh. Well, yeah. Here's how to watch Pulp Fiction in order. <laughs>
1: I I can't get on my rant about uh, Memento and Christopher Nolan right now, so okay. uh, <laughs> I am not going to get into that. Um, but uh, yeah, this was a lot of fun though. I I, <laughs> I have enjoyed talking about horror. We just like went on
0: yeah. tangent.
1: Uh, gosh, now I really want to watch Hereditary again. And <laughs> well, you DCI. got a couple hours
0: tonight yet, right?
1: Uh, yeah, you can watch I it do. right now.
0: <laughs> I'll Probably text. Probably not. We'll we'll, too text. Dark. we'll 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 start watching and we'll text.
1: <laughs> it's too dark. <laughs> too I need dark. to watch it in the bright of day. <laughs> well, then you're
0: not gonna be able to see anything. There's a lot of dark scenes in the movie.
1: I'll oh, turn my brightness up. Oh, my <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah, this is a, a lot of fun. We got to do this again and and uh, and talk more. Um, maybe I'll read the stand before we we talk again.
0: Okay, how fast can you plow through, like, 1,150 pages?
1: Not that fast. I'm a pretty <laughs> slow reader. I'm a pretty slow reader. I've,
0: I've been I've been listening stuff. to the audiobook. It's, like, 50-something hours. See, I Total. can do
1: audiobooks. Yeah, I can do long audiobooks because I will, like, sit and crochet and, and just listen to stuff. Uh, but but reading, I, I tend to, like, I'll read a little bit and then I'll get distracted by something. And i got to <laughs> do it in little chunks. Um so unless it really enwraps me it's
0: hard and we you know what we can we can talk about the stand way down the road sometime <laughs> after it because it's it's gonna be like over a month before the series is done um, oh, I'll definitely you know,
1: binge the series after you'll find um, time
0: to to read it at some point if you want to we can always come back to it
1: yeah awesome I kind of well, want to watch
0: the old series after I watch this one again compare them yeah uh, I mean I remember the old the the, the original series pretty well but it I like the actors you know there's a there's a bunch of actors in the in the original one that I really like quite a lot so
1: yeah well this I'm um, yeah thank you for all watching <laughs> <laughs> I, I I again I could talk about this all night but uh <laughs> we I don't I don't think we should if we get on another tangent we're going to be going for another whole hour
0: and- oh come on why not
1: I have grades I have to do Okay. I'm so sad that the winter break gets over oh man well thanks for talking with me Craig
0: Uh, thank you for talking with me thank you for agreeing to do more than what we had originally planned to do and to do these little horror talks I want to do it again we'll do some more of these it'll be fun
1: I want to do it again and uh, we will be we'll be meeting again next Friday to talk more rpg r&d
0: yes um yeah we got uh yeah guests lined up and everything so we're we're gonna be ready to rock and roll all right um bye everybody bye